Hello and welcome to episode 125 of the Atlanta Man podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, we will be digging into the misery of the Atlanta Falcons, the slight misery of the Atlanta Hawks, and uh, the weirdness of the Braves offseason so far as, as it's been a while since we have caught up on uh, what they've been doing and really all the teams in general. So we can just go ahead and hop right in. We're going to start this off by ripping the bandaid off and talking about the Falcons. Um, Falcons just had one of the worst losses they've had in recent memory on uh, on Sunday. They lost 9-7 to against the 1-12, now 2-12, Carolina Panthers. Um, the Panthers have won one game all year, like I just said. They beat the Texans way back when, and uh, they beat the Falcons in one of the most miserable football games I have ever watched. Um, just an absolute monstrosity of a game. Nine to seven, two teams that are just completely unserious, and um, you know the Falcons, the Falcons come out on top of being the most unserious team, and uh, you know I don't even want to say credit to the Panthers because they did not play well. They are not good at all. This is really just an indictment on the Falcons. They played pretty horribly all the way through, um, except for the defense, as the defense did do their job, um, holding them to nine points, even a Carolina offense that is bad, you know, nine points in the NFL, that's still plenty to uh, win a game. And, you know, the offense was just dreadful. Desmond Ritter was horrible, had one of the worst interceptions I really have ever seen to kind of uh, put the nail in the coffin for the Falcons as they could have put the game away, but he throws an interception in the red zone, Panthers get on the field, and they kick a uh, walk-off game-winning field goal. Uh, Bijan Robinson had seven carries in this game. Seven uh, versus Tyler Algiers, 14. Um, That's just a trend that has been here all year. I mean, Bijan only had 11 yards in his carries. Um, Algier had 45. Wasn't a ton better, but still just pretty bizarre that, you know, you spend the number eight draft pick on this guy, and, you know, you're – He's getting out carried by the guy that was the fourth round pick the year before in Algier. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I I did not want the Falcons to draft B. John Robinson when, um, when the draft was up. But when they did, I kind of convinced myself that he would be good. And um, I, I, I believe that he would be good. My problem with drafting B. John wasn't that he was going to be bad. It was uh, drafting running backs in the top 10 is usually not a great roster move use of the high draft pick and um I could not have projected that this would be his usage in his first year I mean when you spend the top 10 pick on a running back you you get the ball to that guy a lot we've seen in the past like Saquon Barkley Todd Gurley you know those guys got tons of carries when they first entered the league and they were very good that's kind of how this thing goes um you know, and then they kind of teeter off towards the end. That's why I was kind of scared. But, you know, this was kind of like a win-now move for the Falcons to draft him, and they, they just have not used him properly in the slightest. Um, Bijan this season has 176 carries. Tyler Algier has, hold on, wait for this to load, 166. 
so pretty much an even split. <laughs> like that is, that's not good. Like an even split between the two guys. Like Bijan hasn't missed a game technically. I know that Tampa Bay game, he got one touch, so he technically missed it. But that's just not what you really want to see at all. Um, you know, <laughs> the Falcons' receiving numbers in this game are laughably bad. Their leading receiver yards wise was Johnu Smith, who had two catches for 61 yards. Um, then it was Kyle Pitts who had three catches for 37 yards and Drakeland had two for 24 and then Kadero Hodge, Tucker Fisk, Tyler Algier, Bijan, Cordero Patterson all had <clears throat> one catch apiece from uh, Desmond Ritter who was truly terrible in this game. I mean th- like I said that pick he threw at the end was just unbelievably bad. I like almost couldn't believe it, but then I remembered who threw it and made a little more sense. But I don't know who that ball was intended to. He threw it right at. I don't know the dude's name on the Panthers that caught it. I can pull that up real quick. Um, but he threw it right to him. It was like it was intended for him. And, uh, you know, that is just um, it's not what you want. It was Xavier Woods um, who got the pick. So that's, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. All what I do know is this season is over. They are 6-8. and eight. They are no longer in first place. As a matter of fact, they're in third. Tampa and New Orleans are 7-7. Seven and seven. They're still only one game back, but, you know, they already lost the Buccaneers the week before, so they don't play them anymore. They have one more game against the Saints, who are playing better. And, um, you know, next week they play the Colts, and the Colts are 8-6. and six. I think they're currently occupying a playoff spot. Um... So I don't, I'm looking at the spread right now. The Falcons are only, or the Falcons are favored. <laughs> I I don't get that. The Falcons are favored to beat the Colts. They are at home next week. Um, but uh, yeah, the Falcons are one point favorites to beat the Colts on Sunday, Christmas Eve. Um, I don't really get that. I mean, the, the Colts have some injuries. Jonathan Taylor's been out. Zach Moss got hurt and Michael Pittman got hurt last week so that might be part of it but it's still I mean Gardner Minshew is playing really good football the Colts are kind of playing their best ball of the season <clears throat> and um I don't think they should be <laughs> underdogs to this Falcons team I mean the Colts are five and one in their last six games you know the schedule's kind of been light but still like they've been taking care of business that's something the Falcons have not been doing so that's kind of jarring to see um but yeah that's uh that's interesting that they're favored, so I guess Vegas is a little more optimistic than I am, but I just don't really see how you could be optimistic about this team. I mean, Arthur Smith said that it might be Heineke next week again. We might be doing this whole song and dance one more time, and I, I think, like, you know, Arthur Smith, man, this season is just steamrolling towards 7-10 and 10 once again, and then if we go 7-10 and 10 again, he's he's gone. Yeah, it has to be. That's three straight seven and ten seasons. That's no progress, you know. And it's not all his fault. I I don't think he's done a good job at all, really. But you know, a big part of this is rolling with Desmond Ritter. That was just you know, I we had some optimism that he could be, you know, serviceable this year. That's kind of um, what we needed him to be. Just get the ball to these skill position guys. Let them do the work. You know, just kind of uh, be a game manager. And um, he, he's he's not even that. Like, he's, you know, he's got 10 touchdowns and 10 picks this year. <laughs> like, he's, he's not even that. So, obviously, rolling with him was the wrong choice by this front office. Um, 
So, you know, him and Arthur Smith, unless, I mean, unless they go 3-0 in these last three games and with the division, they're probably gone. I know Ritter, like, there's just no way he's the quarterback next year. There's just not a chance, I think. Um, like, he would, I mean, I, I don't know. He would have, like I said, win, win these next three and then maybe win a playoff game. And, you know, if he just does a complete 180, maybe. But I just, I, like, there's just no way I can imagine that happening. And um, Arthur Smith... Yeah, like I like I said, three straight seven and ten seasons, just rinse repeat, um, you know, and with questionable play calling along the way, it is uh, it's not good, and I think he will be gone. I was, I mean, it wouldn't have stunned me if he got fired yesterday after this game. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have any more to say about these Falcons. You know, this season, I know me and Evan talked about it at the beginning of the year. It was kind of a fun start, you know. They had that nice win against the Packers. They were took care of business against the Panthers in the first game. You know, they had that nice win against Houston. But it's just completely turned into not fun, bad, sad season. And, um, you know, I guess uh, it's that way because there was actually some expectations for this team to with the division, make the playoffs. And you know, this division is as weak as we thought it would. Not a team is over 500. The Falcons have the easiest schedule in, you know, in the recent history of the entire NFL. And they have just not been able to capitalize one bit. You know, they lost to Josh Dobbs' first ever game with the Vikings after he was traded there two days, three days before. They lost to Kyler Murray and the terrible Cardinals on his first game back of the season. They lost to Will Levis. And his first career start, he, he threw four touchdowns. They lose to the Panthers, who had won one game all year. Like, they, they have just not been able to take advantage. Like, somehow their schedule got easier with, you know, the, the quarterback situations with, like, Minnesota and Tennessee. Still not able to take advantage um, at all. I mean, they lost to the Bucks last week in pretty maddening fashion. They barely beat the Jets with Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon. Like, it's, um, it's a disaster. It really is a disaster. And I think, you know... Arthur Smith, I think he's been on the hot seat. I'm looking at the ESPN article right now. It's like, is Arthur Smith on the hot seat now? Yeah, he is. And I think he's been on the hot seat for, you know, I think ever since that three-game skid, you know. Not for an end-season firing, but, you know, it was kind of snowballing into him maybe getting fired at the end of the year. And I think, you know, I think if they, if they don't somehow win the division, you have to fire him. Even even if you go, like, 2-1, and one, and uh, you're eight and nine instead of seven and ten. You know I don't think that makes any difference. You know I think you have to win these next three probably to win the division. You know beating the Saints would be big for that. Um, but yeah, we um, we're gonna see. Indianapolis at home, Chicago on the road, and then New Orleans on the road, and uh, that's their season. It's not impossible, but um, with the way this team's playing, I can't imagine them going three and zero. You know I mean the, even the Bears are playing better. The Bears, uh, they almost beat the Browns on Sunday. They beat the Lions last week. They're playing better football. The Saints are playing better football, and so are the Colts. I think the Falcons are trending in the opposite direction than all three of those teams. So that's enough on them. Um, let's rip off the uh, slightly less sticky Band-Aid that's going to hurt a little less, and that's the Hawks. Um, the Hawks are 11-15. and 15. They are... They're kind of just the same Hawks, um, you know, with one one healthy omission of the menace, and it's Trey Young. I mean, he has just been unreal. 
unreal his past what seven eight games and um i know i haven't we haven't done the segment since evan's been gone but i'm giving out a jack peterson of the week right now to trey young pulling up his game log right now he has just been automatic automatic i mean i'm about to read out his numbers of his last um let's do his last let's see one two three four five six seven eight eight games here are his averages over his last eight games 33 points a game 12 assists a game shooting 41 percent from three on 10 attempts so he's he's averaging going four of ten from three every night um you know getting to the line seven times a game which is pretty good shooting 87 percent um you know three rebounds not really his game but 33 and 12 over his last eight including last night again this was against the pistons last night um 31 and 15 game before 35 and 10 game before 38 and uh, and 11 and then um against the nuggets or against the raptors rather 35 and 17 he has four straight 30 10 games you know and then that's not even mentioned his best game against uh the uh the spurs 45 and 14 the spurs are terrible but Trey has been playing so, so good. It is really a shame that this team really hasn't been able to build anything around him. I mean, DeJounte has been rough. DeAndre Hunter has been DeAndre Hunter. You know, the absence of Jalen Johnson is felt on the defensive side of the ball. So it, it does suck for Trey because he has, I mean, he's been so good. Like, he has been automatic. And just, you know, looking at the rest of the team, they have just not been. Not been at all. Defense has been shaky, you know, and, J- I mean, Jalen, like they miss him a ton. It is kind of crazy. We knew Jalen was going to be like a bigger part of the season. I I did not think it was going to be this noticeable if he had to miss time. And hopefully he'll be back in the next couple of weeks. But um, like it is crazy the difference maker he was this year and just the leap he has taken. It's you know it's um encouraging, but it also sucks that he's hurt and this team is suffering without him. But um, yeah, the Hawks um right now they're in the play-in as the ten seed. <laughs> 11 and 15 um you know last night they beat the uh pistons who have lost 24 games in a row so i don't even want to like really pat them on the back too much for uh winning that game but they did they got the job done um, after losing to cleveland on saturday that was a tough uh back-to-back with travel and some guys out i think capella and hunter were out that game so um you know Probably not going to win that one. Um, they lost to Denver last week. Trey got ejected, and Bogey had 40 points in a loss. 40 points on 10 threes made. A career night for him. So uh, that's unfortunate for Bogey. Um, but, you know, good for him, playing well. But, yeah, I mean, that was in, that was in the midst of their uh, five-game losing streak. And, the, I mean, going into that uh Street, they were nine and nine. They had just beaten the Spurs. They lose five in a row. They're nine and fourteen, and since then they're two and one, eleven and fifteen. Um, schedule coming up, not crazy, crazy hard or anything. They got um, Houston on Wednesday tomorrow on the road. Then to Miami, which Miami is Miami. Memphis, who um, has not had a great start to season at all without John Morant. The Bulls, who have had a rough start too, and then uh, the Kings who are pretty good. The Kings are good, but that game is at home. So those are the next five. We'll see how they play out, but it's just it's hard to get excited about anything except for Trey, really, with with this team right now. I mean, other guys, don't get me wrong, some guys have been playing well, 
Like I've I've liked what the the Hawks have gotten from Wesley Matthews. I think he makes winning plays. Um, Boogie's had his moments, but you know, like Murray wise, Hunter wise, it's it's just uh, it's hard to get excited. Hard to get excited for sure. But Trey, man, if this if the Hawks had a like a good record and were a top four seed in the East right now, there would be real MVP buzz for the way he is playing. He has been tremendous. So shout out to Trey, man. He has been every bit of the superstar the Hawks have needed him to be so far this year. And the Hawks need to hope they can turn this thing around because I know people like have been calling for Trey to get traded for years, like Trey to the Lakers, Trey to the yada, yada, yada. You know, and no one's ever really bought it, but, you know, we're on year three of midness since the Eastern Conference final run. You know, it's still early in the season. There's time to go on a run here, but they need to because I feel like if the Hawks are a play-in team again this year and get bounced in the first round or in the play-in, the Trey trade rumors could get loud this offseason. And I don't think anybody wants that at all. So my uh, my best advice to the Hawks is to win games and uh, get healthy, get Jalen back. Um, but, yeah, you got you got, you got got the Rockets um, tomorrow night. Um, Rockets haven't been horrible. They're 13-11, but they're, it's a winnable game. It is a winnable game. I wonder if there is a line out for um, Hawks Rockets in Houston. Let's see. There is not, on ESPN at least, there is not one yet, but the matchup predictor gives the Hawks a 53% chance to win, so I guess I would lean towards um, the Hawks being a slight favorite in that game against uh, Dylan Brooks, Fred Van Vliet, and Alperin Singun and company in the Houston Rockets. So, yeah. You know, the Hawks, they're not as terrible as the Falcons. They at least have Trey, and uh, Trey's fun to talk about. But um, they, uh, they, I'm not, I'm not fully pushing the panic button. It's not great. You know, it's not inspiring basketball at all, um, really. But I, uh, there is time for them to go on a run. You know, they really have done that to make it happen in the play. And they're not, like, in a massive, massive hole. I do think there is, uh, there is time to turn this thing around. So, I think that is it for the birds, the Falcons, and the Hawks. I think we covered it all. And uh, now we got to talk about the plethora of trades the Braves have made. Um, last time we talked, I believe, was when they signed Reynaldo Lopez. That was the last thing we talked about. And, um, you know, a few days after that, they made probably the, their biggest move of the offseason. Um, they acquired Marco Gonzalez, Evan White, and... Jared Kelnick, former super prospect of the New York Mets and the Seattle Mariners, um, for Jackson Coar, who they acquired in the Cal Wright trade from the Royals, and a uh, right-handed minor leaguer, Cole Phillips, who has not pitched a professional inning due to injury. Um, he was a high school arm out of the draft. I think he was a second-round pick, and he hasn't pitched um, yet in any kind of professional baseball due to, I think he had Tommy John surgery. So not, not a terrible, not an incredibly pricey package going to Seattle because the, the, the Falcons, the Braves are eating the bad money of Marco Gonzalez and Evan White. Um, Marco Gonzalez has since been traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates for, uh, I think cash and a player to be named later, pretty much nothing. Um, as he was slated to make like 12 million bucks this year. So the Mariners want to get rid of that. And then Evan White, who was a pretty interesting case. 
he signed a contract with the Mariners before he played one inning of MLB baseball. <laughs> so, and it just hasn't worked out for uh, him or the Mariners, and they decided to cut bait on White. Um, I'm trying to pull up his contract right now. He signed a six-year, $24 million contract before he played one game in the majors. And, um, you know, that contract runs through 2025, so that they just kind of want to cut bait, trade with the Braves. The Braves have since traded him to the Angels for David Fletcher and um, Max Stassi. And Max Stassi has now been traded to the White Sox. So the Braves have just been playing... I don't even know what to call it. This game they're playing is just eating bad money to acquire better players. There's a whole other one with the Padres, which we'll get into in a second. But, um, you know, we got to talk about Kalanick. He is the centerpiece of this deal. He projects to be the left fielder for the Braves next year, as that was a position of need after, um, you know, declining Eddie Rosario's option. And um, this was not the a move I thought they were going to, like, this is not the way I thought they were going to fill left field at all. But I'm perfectly, perfectly fine with it. It is a definitely an intriguing move with the potential of really high upside. Um, like I said, Kelnick used to be a huge prospect. He was traded to the Mariners from the Mets as a prospect in the Edwin Diaz-Robinson Cano trade after Edwin Diaz had his historic closer season with the Mariners. Um, and he was the, the piece going back to Seattle. He debuts in 2021. He struggles. He struggles in 2022 also. But last year, he was pretty good. Um, played in 105 games because he did get hurt in the summer. He broke his foot kicking a water cooler. Um, that's not great, but it's whatever. That's in the past. Um, so he got hurt there. He had a pretty hot start. Kind of cooled off a bit, but still, his season finished pretty good. Like I said, 105 games. Had a 746 OPS, a 109 OPS plus, so he was 9% above above league average. He stole 13 bases, had 11 homers, um, you know, had a pretty solid walk rate. As I'm uh, trying to pull that up right now, he walked in about 10% of his um, at-bats, so that's always good. He's always had a pretty good eye at the major league level, always been an above average walk rate guy. Will strike out a little bit, but nothing like insanely crazy. Um... But, yeah, Jerry Kelnick is still 24 years old. He will be 25 when the season starts. or um, No, actually, he, he will not be. He, he will still be 24 when the season starts. Uh, we don't turn 25 until July. So he is still very, very young. He is not a free agent until 2029. So essentially what the Braves have done here, they paid $15 million and traded Jackson Kowar and Cole Phillips for Jerry Kelnick. And... Um, you know, they have been kind of taking advantage of these teams that are wanting to shed payroll, like the Mariners, like the Padres, and I guess the Angels too, to a certain extent, and uh, doing that to get good players in return. They're kind of just buying them. They're giving up minimal prospect capital, and they're just getting these high upside guys. You know, Kelnick, we're about to talk about Ray Kerr in a second. Um, you know, they, the one with the Angels was more of getting rid of Evan White too, but they get back David Fletcher, who projects to be the Nicky Lopez replacement, as Nicky Lopez was part of the Aaron Bummer trade. But, you know, it, it is definitely, it has been like a weird game of chess. Anthopolis and the front office has been playing this entire offseason. And, um, you know, I can't say it's not interesting. It's definitely an interesting way of going about things. And um, 
yeah, it's been uh, it's not been the super splashes like they haven't signed Otani or traded for Juan Soto, but it is definitely interesting and makes you think. And you know, you kind of got to put the pieces together in your head of what this means because I mean, when they are posting and breaking these news, like this one's like what? Like same with the Aaron Bummer trade, um, trading five guys for Aaron Bummer. Um, you know, this one, uh, the uh, one with the um, Angels, if I could speak, you know, Max Stassi and David Fletcher for Evan White and Tyler Thomas. You're like, what were we doing? And then you kind of put the piece together. Like, oh, you want to get rid of Evan White? You need a backup utility man for Nicky Lopez being gone. And then uh, I guess we can jump into the most recent one with the Padres. Uh, they acquire Ray Kerr, who is not a famous man at all, but definitely has some upside, which we'll get into in a second. And Matt Carpenter, who is a pretty well-known baseball player, um, used to be very good with the St. Louis Cardinals, had an insane 2022 with the Yankees before he got hurt. And uh, because of that really good 2022, he signed a two-year deal with the Padres, and he was very bad last year. Um, he is a DH only, and this was just another example of the Braves taking on Matt Carpenter's bad salary to get Ray Kerr. Matt Carpenter, they tried to trade him, couldn't do it. He has since been released, so he is... On the market as a free agent, the Braves want nothing to do with him, probably because he can't really play a position anymore except maybe first base. And uh, the Braves are quite covered there. Matt Olson more than likely is going to play every single game at first base. But the piece that they got back was Ray Kerr. He is a 29-year-old, so not like a prospect, but he's got prospect, um, how do I say this, a control. He's not a free agent until 2030. He is a lefty. He throws the baseball extremely hard. Um, his numbers haven't been anything crazy. It's just 32 big league innings. It is a 506 ERA, but a 461 FIP, which is a might might be saying he got a little bit lucky. Um, I mean, last year, just last year, was the bulk of the innings. 27 of them. He had a 433 and 27 innings. Had 35 strikeouts in that time period. That's 11.7 Ks per nine and a 418 FIP. So he was uh, not as bad as that ERA indicated. Um, didn't walk a ton of guys as a lefty that throws super hard and you struck guys out. And that's kind of a formula that you can make work. If you don't walk guys and you throw really hard and you're able to miss bats, you can kind of figure out, uh, the rest of, um, the stuff around going on around him. Um, another big part of this is that he has a minor league option. The Braves are really kind of investing in guys that have options as they did not have that last year. They're really, you know, having to outright guys sneak them through waivers or DFA guys that they probably didn't necessarily want to DFA to make space on the 26 and 40 man roster. And uh, Kerr has an option. So, you know, if he needs to go down to Gwinnett and work on some things, they can do that and, uh, you know, keep a hold of him for next year. They also got Penn Murphy, who I believe has three minor league options. So they've kind of uh, invested in relievers that, um, you know, get a little more flexibility than guys that have to be on the. 26 man all year they have to be get dfa'd you know that that uh that is valuable to a front office and organization so yeah raker you know i'd heard the name before didn't really know anything about didn't know if he was a lefty or right he didn't know he threw 99 miles an hour but um looking into his profile it is it is interesting um to see what he's working with and i definitely get why the braves did this move it makes sense um it's not like earth shattering or anything it's not gonna change the trajectory of the franchise but you know it could be a nice piece and a nice project and who knows if you can kind of unlock Ray Kerr a little bit more kind of similar to Kelnick you could have like five six years of a nasty lefty reliever 
I mean, he was 84th percentile in fastball velocity last year. Um, he didn't qualify for a lot of the stat cast stuff because he didn't pitch a ton, but, you know, throws, throws the ball hard. Um, strikes a lot of guys out and um, doesn't walk the world. He's not like an, he's not um, never walking guys. He will walk a little bit. It's about an 8% walk rate, but that's not um, that's not terrible. It's above average for re- relief pitchers. So, um, yeah, we'll see what they do with, with that. And, I mean, Kalanick, we can go back and talk about him a little bit. Um, you know, talk about unlocking guys. So they can unlock Kelnick's ceiling. Um, he was a former top prospect in baseball, top 10, maybe even top 5, depending on which list you look at. He could just be the the left fielder of the future for the Braves and just another core piece. And, um, you know, with Seitzer as the hitting coach, they might make some tweaks um, and uh, kind of maybe unlock some more power. He's got the chop house to play with now and left. He's in, He is in a much more hitter-friendly park than T-Mobile in Seattle. So um, we will see. We will see. Um, but, yeah, looking at the Braves roster resource page on Fangraphs right now, um, you know, position player-wise, I think they're locked up for the offseason. I think they're good. Uh, maybe another – actually, I take that back. They probably need to add a right-handed outfielder. Um, you know, maybe they bring back, like, Kevin Pillar, uh, Adam Duvall. It would be nice. Um, I'm pretty sure Duvall is a free agent. I, yeah, he is. He was only a, a one-year deal with the Red Sox. Duvall was very good for the Red Sox last year when he played. Um, you know, he missed some time, but 92 games, 834 OPS, and he hit 21 homers. So Adam Duvall is out there. You know, if Kalnick ends up struggling against lefties a little bit, you can throw Duvall in there, and we, we know Adam Duvall very well. He's not going to kill you. He's going to play solid defense and left. He can. He's going to pop some homers every once in a while, or probably more than every once in a while, honestly. And um, yeah, that's what he does. He's Adam Duvall. I love Adam Duvall. So if they want to do that, you know, Kevin Pillar was that guy last year to platoon with Eddie against lefties. We will see. I do think they'll probably add a guy like that, or it might just be Von Grissom. That is what Anthopolis has said. I don't necessarily think Grissom is going to be on the team next year. I think they're going to trade him. But if that is the deal, if they're just going to say, hey, we're going to rock with Fletcher, or not Fletcher, um, Kelnick and Grissom in the outfield, I would be like, okay, okay. You know, kind of kind of not the best use of Grissom's skill set, um, him only facing lefties. Maybe they can work in some DH days for him against righties too. Um, you know, maybe they give guys more days off this year, like Ozzy and Orlando, and he maybe gets some middle infield time. I don't know. But if I had to guess right now, I think he would be – traded for a starting pitcher because that is our next topic of conversation is the Braves need another starter. Um, right now the rotation is listed as Strider, Freed, Morton, you know, very good. Uh, Bryce Elder, who, you know, I think would be fine as the fifth, and then Reynaldo Lopez, who I'm not entirely sold on him being a starter, and he is listed as the Braves' fifth starter right now. Um, then, of course, you have your Shavers and um, Ian Anderson's coming back from Tommy John. Um... Dylan Dodd, Darius Vines, maybe even if Hurston Waldrop is ready. You got those kind of guys, but I think the Braves need one more sure thing in the rotation. Um, starting pitchers are getting um, signed fast, traded fast. You know, Glass just got traded. Uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto is about to sign. Aaron Nola's already signed. The Braves were very in on Aaron Nola, and he ended up going back to the Phillies. Um, you know, they still like Blake Snow, which I don't think they're going to get Blake Snow. Jordan Montgomery. Sonny Gray was another guy linked to the Braves that has signed. The Royals got two of the guys that I thought the Braves could get. Um, Seth Lugo and Michael Waka. 
So I uh, I think they're going to trade for a guy because, you know, right now it's just Snell. Yamamoto technically is still available, but he is like, not going to the Braves. I think it's between the Yankees, Mets, and Dodgers there. And then, um, like, Jordan Montgomery is interesting, but it just seems like Dylan Cease trade is um, is the way to go here. It just it kind of makes a lot of sense. Um, he's got two more years. He is a Georgia guy. He went to Milton High School. He's from Milton, Georgia. He is good. He is um, reliable. Never hurt these past three years. He has made over 30 starts in all of them. And he is very available. The White Sox are going to trade him this offseason, most likely. So he makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, Corbin Burns, maybe, if the Brewers end up selling off. But, yeah, that's why I say Grissom's probably going to get traded because it's going to be very difficult to swing a trade for one of those guys without including Von Grissom, I think. He is the Braves' best position player trade asset that they have. You know, it's him and then the drop-off is steep. It's like him and then Nacho Alvarez and Jesse Franklin. Um, they don't have a ton of position player depth as far as prospects go and guys that you, you will actually trade. You know, There was the ridiculous reports earlier this offseason that the Braves might even think about trading Ozzy or Michael Harris. Like, they are never going to trade those guys. That That was just... Idiotic. I forgot her. I think it was just some MLB network shit of them just trying to clickbait and get people to watch their stupid shows. Um, MLB network has lost a ton of cred with after what John Morosi did with the Shohei Otani signing and the whole debacle there. They 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 just clickbait on live TV pretty much and them saying they. I mean they said the Braves might trade Max Free last year. Like it's ridiculous. So um, like yeah, but you know it's a bit of a tangent, but. All that to say, the Braves don't have a ton of position player depth to trade from in the organization. Um, you know, Grissom isn't technically a prospect anymore, but he is their best. Uh, he is their best um, <clears throat> position player asset for uh, trades. So yeah, we we will see what's um what's going on. I mean, I'm, I just pulled up the Braves' uh, top prospect list, and um, you know, number seven now, Luis Guanipa who is a 17-year-old, is their seventh best prospect, and he is now technically their number one position player prospect. He's 17 years old, center fielder. He was just an international sign. Um, so maybe he can be something. Um, but he, his ETA is 2027. It is um, about to be 2024, so that's a long way from now. But then yeah, you got Nacho, Nacho Alvarez, Diego, Diego Benitez, who is another international signing guy. He is 18. Like A lot of, a lot of their big guys um, are very young. Um, you know, even even Nacho Alvarez is only 20 years old. He was a draft pick and an international sign guy. But um, yeah, we will see. We we will see what uh, what they're gonna do with the starting pitcher. I think they need to get one because I just it, it's gonna be tough. If they roll into the season like banking on Reynaldo Lopez, who has been a reliever for years now, to be a starter again, and um, Bryce Elder, who had the bad second half to kind of find his form again. Like that's. There's two pretty big question marks in the rotation that I necessarily wouldn't love, but we will see. It's it is December nineteenth. There's plenty of time for them to do stuff, and they've already done a lot. Um, I think the bullpen is probably good. I say that, and they might just add another guy because Anthopoulos loves adding to the bullpen. Um, you know, right-handed fourth outfielder bat needed, and uh, give me a pitcher, give me a starter. You know, I'll take Jordan Montgomery too. If you want to sign somebody, he's going to cost a good bit, but you know, if you don't want to, you don't, you want to hang on to your prospects. I get it. 
So, yeah, a lot of talk about the Braves here. They have been very busy in a weird way. So, um, not complaining, though, because there are times, there have been times, even with the Braves in past offseasons, where they just haven't done a ton. Last season, for example, they pretty much, they traded for Sean Murphy, and uh, they traded for Joe Jimenez, and that was it. <laughs> like They made those two trades, which were pretty big, but um, that is all they did last offseason. So, uh, I am grateful for the the um, transactions to keep me entertained. I really am. So I think we covered it all. I think we covered it all. A bit long-winded on the Braves there, but a lot happened. Um, you know, Falcons are terrible. The Hawks, I uh, I kind of feel indifferent towards, but I do think there is a, a chance of life with them um, just because Trey Young is incredible. That's, that's the guy. That's the guy. So, uh, yeah, if you made it this far listening, I really, really appreciate it. And I will see you in the next one.